Good people of Los Angeles, tonight on the FC, FC, FSA, FSA pod, we've got Bob Carlson of KCRW and that wonderful LAFC piece, Fame, stopping by. Link in the bio. Link in the bio. Uh, we chat a lot about sound and storytelling through audio. We talk about first football memories, little AYSO tidbits sprinkled in there. And of course, we get into tribalism and why we love certain teams and hate certain teams and where we all fit and how we feel towards those things. And as usual, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the backyard of Dweezy's place in Expo Park. We have cars driving by, helicopters and planes flying over. Someone's playing basketball outside the, the, the backyard today. Um, and as usual, I do have a potty mouth. I will be using it, so if you're at work or around children or any situation you feel like you shouldn't hear cussing, don't listen, motherfuckers. <laughs> Bye. FCFC. Welcome to the FCFC pod, where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. Per usual, we are your hosts. Sitting across from me is Dweezy. Hey. To my left is tired Keto Josh. Hey, I'm tired. <laughs> and we have a very special guest here today, someone that makes us feel very inferior because of his experience in this field, and someone that did a beautiful piece, if you haven't heard or seen it on KCRW. Mr. Bob Carlson is in the building. In the backyard today. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. I'm Check doing fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. This is so much fun. That's Cheers, dude. Thank you. We have through. our uh, another G- June gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. Or wait, July cool. now. Yeah. Jeez. It's a summer drink, y'all. We're it's the perfect summer drink. And Tennessee's expensive, and they won't sponsor us yet. <laughs> so. Tennessee, sponsor the pod. Until then, <laughs> we're boycotting you. With yep, gin. pretty much. Yeah. But also Hendrix, also, if you're into this. Or even <laughs> even Costco, where I picked up this bottle. Costco, yeah. if you like this pot of the pod, please. <laughs> and Fever Tree. If, <laughs> Fever Tree Wait, Tonic Water. Fever Tree Tonic Water is phenomenal. Shout out to Sujin for showing Putting us on. Have you, had you had this before, this type of tonic? No, it's Fever fantastic tree? tonic water. Wait, did you, is this seriously Costco gin? No. No, no, no. <laughs> he, got he got it from Costco. This could have easily been like Kirkland Gin, and I would have gone, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I believe Kirkland that. Kirkland come does good stuff. stuff. Shout out to my Kirkland folks out there. <laughs> See, this is, the, this is the Costco size. Uh, this is where the Costco yeah. comes from. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's the the two-gallon Hendrix Gin that Costco we have. Costco-sized gin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Bob, I mean, here on the pod, what's become our tradition is, is sort of hearing people's first football mm-hmm. memory. Yeah. It would be awesome to kick it off and hear yours. I think I'm I'm a little older maybe than than uh, some of the other people that have been on this podcast. I'm you know I'm kind of in my, in my 50s, and I started probably playing AYSO, and uh, that was my first early memories. And I grew up in the South Bay, and and this was just maybe three four years after the the uh, founding of AYSO. So I think I was probably one of the earliest wow, wow. teams, and my dad. I think what they did was they went around looking. They had like a database 
or a card file, Rolodex of uh, European of kids with European parents, you know, and <laughs> and then they went around getting interest that yeah, way, yeah. and so all of the Euro parents were the coaches. So my dad was always my coach, almost always. Okay. Your dad's your dad is originally from Sweden. My dad, my both of my parents come from Sweden. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha so they gotcha. kind of had just sort of that built-in yeah, yeah. European thing. I mean, my dad wasn't super athletic, but it was you know that was his thing. But at the same time, my parents both came here in the '50s, and they were very like into all things American. They didn't want to eat fish anymore. They wanted to eat steak, and they wanted you know and. <laughs> And so I don't think my dad in the beginning wasn't he didn't want, he wasn't interested in soccer because uh-huh. nobody here was interested in soccer at that time. So mm-hmm. he got interested in you know baseball and NFL and so their hometown team in Sweden when I was a little kid was also went through a lull. So even when we went back to Sweden occasionally to visit, nobody cared about the team. So I never. Do you remember which team? What, what team? Oh yeah, it, it's called Elfsborg, Elfsborg, and it's in the the, the Swedish league's called the Allsvenskan, mm-hmm. and they are the town is called Borås. Is where they're from. It's kind of like a textile town. Mm. Now become more of like a factory outlet town. I see. Mm. <laughs> but they have a team, an old one of the old teams called Elfsborg, which is you know one of their one of the most successful teams, and they're kind of floating around in the mid table. I one I've been to one game there one mm. time, uh, which was which was awesome. Awesome, like the Swedish soccer experience is. You know, it's cold, and there you're drinking coffee with like a cinnamon roll wow. watching the game. That's like the, that's like that's oh the thing. Goodness. That's a whole different. That was thing. awesome. And yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and so I remember playing. I played all the way to high school just as kind of my you know recreation. That was my sport was soccer. But I always found it kind of dull to watch. Mm. I never really got into it. It wasn't easy to watch on TV here. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, like you know, they had like things like the LA Aztecs. Mm-hmm. In the seventies, and I, I think I actually went to a couple of games. Just I couldn't, you know, I just never got into it as a as a kid for whatever reason. Yeah. I think then in the what it was was in the late nineties, this Elfsborg team they started getting a little bit better. My dad actually uh, died in the late nineties. Also, he he had a brain tumor and passed away. And I think in in his later years, we were kind of like talking about this team a mm-hmm. little bit. And then since then, I kind of kept an eye on them, the how the team's doing. You know who plays? You know who plays for just. Parenthetically, you know who plays for uh, Elfsborg is that guy uh, Ishizaki. 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 Who used to play for the Galaxy. For the Ishizaki. He was a midfielder. Stefan Ishizaki. I'm pronouncing. Is his he name American? Wrong. Well, he's Japanese Swedish. Like oh, he was, he was, oh. ra- he was Japanese, but raised in Sweden. So gotcha, he played gotcha. in Sweden. He played for the Galaxy. Yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah, for a while, yeah. and then he went back. Because AYSO. Yeah. A lot of people may or may not know actually started in the south bay yeah, yeah. um the very first edition of it and obviously spread nationwide i think yeah. so many of us played did you guys play when you were younger i did my second ayso practice ever is the first day i found out that soda before uh running gives you cramps that's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it was, the, it was the whole oranges at halftime. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah you they still reverse, that. Reversible, they still reversible jerseys. Yeah, yeah. like you, your home and your away jerseys is the same. They just reverse them. So lay this out for me because I'm from the east. Uh-huh. You don't have AYSL, so or you just didn't play we, AYSL. We we had probably some version of AYSL, yeah, yeah. but nothing as as established as that. But it's like um, even in the south, my boy in Atlanta said their league 
thing, which is their AYSO. I forget what it's called, but yeah, it's it's a whole. Separate. Is it like a? It's like it little nation. league. It's like an official yeah. like little league. Okay, exactly. yeah, I got you. Got it's you. like but, little league. Yeah, but, but it is based, nationwide now. But now, but it was based in the south. It just started. It, it started, started in Torrance. Gotcha, That's gotcha, where it was gotcha. founded. And Todd, yeah. it might, Todd might even be still based there. Yep. And Todd Saldana, the director of the LAFC Academy, yeah. um, who oversees all the youth teams. I believe he was one of those first AYSO teams. That's wow. And I'll have to do my research again. I, re- I remember doing the research on it. Ziggy Schmidt was somehow also involved. Oh, for real? Early on in the AYSO thing, I believe. And, and you know, he was one of Saldana's original youth coaches. And then, like, later coached him at UCLA. And obviously, like, it's like, it's kind of a small, funny, strange soccer development world here. But a lot of it did start with AYSO. That's yeah. an interesting story. And I don't know how much that's been told, like, mm-hmm. the early days of AYSO. I'm sure somebody's done it, but... I don't know. know. Uh, yeah. When I was doing research about it just and talking to Todd, because I did a piece on Todd, uh, I, I sort of just had to put a couple things together, and I don't remember a ton of stuff, but yeah, there may be something out there. Um, either way, yeah, I think most of us can relate, you know, yeah. men, women, everybody sort of right, had, right. A, had a period, and depending on whatever you did later in life, almost didn't matter, it was, just, it was an easy thing, yeah. I think, for parents to check their kids into, and the fees were relatively low and it still is i mean that's i mean i have my my son he plays now and it's that it's cheap it's easy Mm -hmm. i've coached but you know they've got the same issues with early parents as they do in the league it's kind of why i stopped coaching because it's just like parents taking too seriously they ruin everything they ruin (laughs) teachers right now they're ruining the ayso we had alex on the last pod and um he was talking he was playing up in north hollywood and there was a game where he remember as a child where all the parents collectively got together in the middle of the field and um, started to kick the coach. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. there was some that attacking. Was no, I think it gets, I think it gets like that. Yeah, you know? even in, even in NYSO, even at that lowest level. But people are super protective of their kids these days. Yeah. <laughs> playtime, baby. It's all about playtime. But the I think but the sort of focusing of my soccer mania was, and I mean I've I'm sort of an obsessive person. I sort of like get sort of uh, uh, interests obsessively and yeah, I've gone like the through, gentleman to your left <laughs> I've gone I've gone through like intense you know when I was in college I went to college in Boston I was a huge Red Sox fan I was a I was like a a, a Red Sox fan of the 86 season that went to the World Series that ended with the ball through Bill Buckner's legs and I literally cried yeah. my girlfriend was like I th- I'm sure that at the time, my, that was that was probably the beginning of the end. She just looked at me and goes, "Jesus Christ!" <laughs> and, and Bob, here we're having such a good time. And you're a Red Sox fan beneath it all. I mean, no, I grew up in Yankee Country. That's that's the only reason. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I thought you were talking about the, no, the yeah. Dodgers. The Dodgers are my 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 boyhood team. I went to my first Dodger game uh, in 1967 mm. with my dad. My other teams, 81 Dodgers, the, strikes, the strike Dodgers. I saw Fernando Valenzuela wow. with my, in my, my own eyes that season. So the Dodgers which were the like Do- your gin and tonic. Yeah. <laughs> I, went to, I, I went to the fifth game of, the, of that World Series, the 81 World Series. Oh, here you go. This is a good Yankee story. 81 World Series, they were playing the Yankees. We had seats in right field in the bleachers, but in you know the last possible before you get to the bullpen sure. and we were so we were looking down into the Yankees bullpen you know and I was just I was you know how I, I was I think I was a teenager and I was not a someone who would normally scream at players <laughs> but there I looked down and right there is Goose Gossage oh my god and we were winning I think at the time and he was starting to warm up 
I was just like filled with just sort of the, you know what I'm talking about this sort of thing that sports does that just uh-huh. kind of like and and I screamed eat shit <laughs> like, like like literally as far like it was probably like like that truck thinking like he's gonna eat, I'm like some like some voice yeah. in the crowd and instead Goose Gossage looks up at me and just with this this look of like disgust <laughs> just like like you know like this this teenage oh and it was just I, he's so just like I felt like yeah, like yeah. It's such an idiot leave Goose and alone it, <laughs> no, no no completely he, yeah. he I mean he cut me down with a look so I was like no <laughs> But you uh, told Goose Gotch to eat shit. You still got the upper hand, though. <laughs> that's and, amazing. You know, and that's then, wild. Once I had children, um, you know, you kind of lose track of everything. Mm-hmm. Movies, everything. I kind of didn't. I stopped. And it wasn't until they got older that I started going to sports. And then it was the 2014 World Cup okay. that my son got really into because he was um, six or seven and we got him that you know one of the wall charts where you keep track of what <laughs> oh, all the countries sure. where you put the scores oh, and he just got so into it because he hadn't discovered video games yet you know uh, so he he was just completely committed and he was like he would we would like go like who you know who do we got in this game and he was like i think switzerland and switzerland would lose and he was like just so <laughs> upset and so it's just this really um, that we had such a great time following it. And so then it was coming to an end. And, you know, and I had been aware that there was so much more streaming. Sure. Uh, you could watch the Premier League so much. And the World Cup's over. we got to have something else right, right. to watch. And so we started watching the Premier League. And I did all this research. And we picked a team. Which you know, I know it's not the same team as everybody else has, but you know we. No, we, tell, tell tell the team. Rich, Rich Roscoe, good yes, friend of the pod. He'll listen that. to this. Oh, and he shares your... Struggle. I've seen the, the, he's got like a Harry Kane autographed scarf in his office. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, you know, I did the geekiest of things. You know, I just went online and go like, you know, pick your, your Premier League team, you know, sure. you know, tradition, planet, you know, it's this, you know, not, you know, come close, but not quite made it, you know, promise, da, 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 da. you know, your team is Tottenham Hotspur. All right. And then so <laughs> it, it goes That's from amazing. like, sure, I'll do that. They have a cool name, you know, and. And it just so happened that it was the same exact time that Mauricio Pochettino mm. was being was hired. Yeah, the yeah, best yeah. time to, in history, be a Tottenham. For you know, sure. so, for so sure. I, and so, so yeah, and, the, and, I, and I have a friend. Uh, I have <laughs> so a friend who you know he may come up later because he, he's he he's was sort of like uh, he's also a big soccer fan and and he kind of got me kind of more interested he is however a galaxy fan mm. and so uh, yeah so it's sort of like there is sort of a galaxy detour to sure, my story sure, sure. and um, uh, uh, so it then yes detour, by the way. so then I started watching Tottenham like like obsessively where it's just are you like, doing the 430s the the 430 kickoff I don't not like 430 at the at the, the bar. Greyhounds but 430 at my house yeah okay. uh, sometimes I mean if, yeah depending on the game and that comes up later too, because like sometimes I can't handle it. Like sometimes a game is like this game on Friday. It's it's almost I'm kind of not even looking forward to it. it yeah, just, it freaks no, we, me out. we definitely understand the we, feeling. We share that with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so um, but anyway, so you know, Tottenham, of course. Then you you know you know they were likable even then, and you sort of once you learn about Tottenham, and I sort of learn about all the players, and I learn about once they go through the. A season, then another season. You start learning about the Premier League, and then transfers are coming in. And you start learning about the whole world of soccer. And my son's into it, and we're 
Uh, although now he's starting to learn, he's gotten video games now, so mm. that he's, he's starting to be pulled away a little bit. But then we're playing FIFA. Yeah, just uh, keep giving him FIFA. Well, and then pull no, him back into the, the world. The funnest thing in the back. world, the funnest thing in the world is to play soccer, to play FIFA with your kid where you're both on the same team. Mm. Oh, man. And then, because it's like, you know, you're the guy, and then whoever you pass to, then it becomes him. Yeah. And then whoever he passes, so it's you're constantly passing it to each other. Mm. So we're always playing it as, as LAFC, and we're always pl- passing it to each other like like the real, yeah. because we watch every game, we know exactly how everybody plays, right. and it's I don't know so why that's fun. making me tear up right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Josh, could beautiful. you see his future self <laughs> playing so with so the future yeah. 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 Right It's here. the greatest thing. It's that chin drink man. is different. <laughs> Thank you, Bob Bradley, for, for your tactics over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bob Bradley's tactics brought me and my son together. That's right, because you, you know how the team moves yeah, because yeah. you watch so many games. That's, yeah. that's well, awesome. Yeah. And, now, I mean, so now that, you know, you've moved from the World Cup, which is this world-expanding thing, you're, you're noticing players from different teams, but I do think club football is almost like the Marvel football, you know, Marvel universe or the DC universe in a way that there's all these, like, superheroes, yeah. whether they're managers or they're... <laughs> yeah, or they're yeah, play, sure. and, and you sort yeah. of, like, you're, it just expands and you're yeah. like... Oh, it gets really exciting. Was that was that sort of your experience as you got deeper exactly. into club football that it just kept getting wider exactly. and you noticing, exactly. learning different storylines? Yeah, and and the like and, and the FIFA also like just even like oh, playing yeah. FIFA on my mm-hmm. phone and stuff like that because you get like these people like you say superheroes exactly the way to look at it because like all of a sudden like you see you see a reference to them online or something you go oh Jan Oblak oh yeah oh he's amazing I'm never going to see that guy play right, or anything. Right, right. and and yeah and so and that was and then so in this you know in so my friend who I work with at KCRW who's had has been a galaxy had been a galaxy season ticket holder for years and years started occasionally giving me galaxy tickets and uh and and as did another guy who, who I know from my my kid's school. So my, my son and I, for a couple of seasons there, went to a couple of Galaxy games a, a year. And we saw Landon Donovan, like really close, had really great seasons, yeah. Robbie Keane, and we were we were at Steven Gerrard's first game. Wow. So that it was really splendid. I mean, like the first game I ever went to live with my son was a, it was a Galaxy game. So I was like, I'm, there's there's a certain part of me that was like, it was hard to hate the Galaxy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think of those days still fondly. Mm-hmm. Sure. However, it was very much of that, you know, yay. Yeah, you know, it's like a kind yeah. of like, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. a pleasant little evening mm-hmm. watching a, a soccer game, you know, and the, the, the water sections were just kind of, there was, it was just like kind of noise. It wasn't helpful. It wasn't, it wasn't adding to the experience. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like, to me, this is my, my, my thoughts. And you hadn't gone to Europe for games, Never. like no. in this new awakening of this. Of no, the but, or anything but while I was going to these galaxy games, I was watching these games on television every weekend mm, and right. just the singing and then going like oh my you know it's like can't even imagine what that would be like right, right. so I think probably in my buying galaxy tickets or whatever you know buying parking is what I was usually doing um, I got on some mailing list so I got on this early on mailing list from new team LAFC you want to be on the waiting list for tickets and it just instantaneously go yeah and it was like I literally had sent, I sent it off like within five minutes because I thought well that's cool. I, yeah. you know, the, ever, all the galaxy seats are locked in. This is something to start something new. <coughs> are you closer? Do you live further down south, like no. where you grew up, or you're? No, we're west LA. Okay. So then, you know, there was that waiting period. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, so then we went into the, you know, the uh, experience center that mm. they had there, you know, under the freeway yeah. for yeah. a while, and you could look at the model. The week that I was going to visit, you know, to sort of, you know, they were doing, they were going to be doing the the in person hard sell. Mm-hmm. 
was the same week that they were, it was the final game at White Hart Lane before they were going to tear it down, sure, the sure, old sure. White Hart Lane. And so, you know, we'd ever, you know, there had been just so much press about it and just sort of this idea of being close to the field and the, everybody's so in to, close to the field and the singing and what, what, how, what a great atmosphere that creates. And so when I went in there and I looked at the model of, of the bank, mm. that's the first thing I thought of. It's like a little, it's like a European little, right. you, know, it's, you know, obviously it has modern lines and everything, but it has, it's, a, it's there for football and everybody's close and it looked really cool. And I, I think I said to the guy, the representative of the team, like, it would be so great if it was, this was like a real like a European situation where there were songs and there was like, a thing. and he goes, that's exactly what we're doing. That mm. is what we're doing. And even though he said that, I just said, well, he's just saying that. That's like, you know, that's, that's <laughs> the sales line. He's going to yeah. say yes sure, to sure, whatever sure. I yeah. say, you know. It's, and I'm guessing that at the time he didn't know for sure either. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm guessing at the time you were talking to Casey Sosa. <laughs> was it Casey? Casey? Do you remember Sebastian. the guy's name? Sebastian? I mean, this was... They're who, both listeners of the pod, by the way. <laughs> this was... They've gone through a lot of people, I think, in that department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, but I, I, uh, I wouldn't even remember right. who it was. It was, a, you know, I think it was just whoever was giving the tours at the time. It, it seemed like because you know they were there was a, it was all these people who were on this waiting list, and we mm-hmm. were all seeing what the seats, what the different sections were going to be like. And even like when they were talking about the standing section, I mean, I, I have a hard time visualizing things like this. You know, I people come up to me with great ideas all the time, and I don't see it, and then they make millions of dollars, and I just go, oh, I just don't. <laughs> and it's like, you know, so they were going like, I think the guy said, you know, you want to, you know, sports section. I think they were like sixteen bucks a seat or something in that for, you know, sixteen dollars. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because they were really cheap that first season. No, I want a seat. <laughs> but I've. But from then, I've always had really, I'm really high on the picking order. And mm. I hope, I think, as of now, it still maintains. Yeah. So whenever we do new seats, I always go and I can, I, I'm always one of the first groups to go in. So then during that process, during, you know, that waiting period when uh, we were going to wait for a team, you know, every time there was any kind of news, you know, the draft and all that, sure. did you guys go to the draft? Uh, we weren't part of that group. Yeah. 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 But, or I'm committing to this now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm paying money. I've never done this before. I've never gotten season tickets for anything ever, and I want to know everything about it. I want it. so yeah. just like everything so, that was being read. Like, well, I mean, that's pretty fascinating. So you you had been obsessed with these different sporting yeah. teams in the past, but you had never you had never yet been a season ticket holder. No, I don't think I. I don't think I had. Well, I didn't. I don't think I had the money mm-hmm. to, to to do it before, and also. Uh, yeah, I don't think I would have ever been. And like Dodger season tickets seem like such a commitment. Mm-hmm. It's so many games. You kind of have to do it as a group. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't this wasn't really that much money. But mm-hmm. um, had, had you guys been no, season tickets? I think this no. is all our first season tickets. Yeah, that's pretty common. And like, there's so many sports lovers, but season tickets has always been this this kind of grail up in the sky that we would never attain unless you know, yeah we we get there or like or a uh, football team. Well, yeah, everything else is either too expensive or there's right. too many games, right? Yeah. right? Like, yeah. the dope thing about the MLS is that we have 17 home games. Boom. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not like, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Vince, you know, LAFC Vince, and his articles were really, like, every time they, they got a new player, you reading about him, yeah. and I got to know him, and I went to that, my son and I went to that, there was that event around Christmas, I think, where... That was next to the bank where you got tours of it in in progress and Bradley came and Walker Zimmerman was yeah, there. Yeah. I was at that. We were at that thing, and um, 
and I think by the yeah by the time the first game came around, like the Seattle the the away game, mm-hmm. the first Seattle game, I was just so keyed up, and I just remember that game just being kind of unbelievable like people don't, we don't talk about that game that much i mean as you talk about the the, the home the home game we talk about that game a lot yeah, here because you, all no we all of us, most of the universe had gone sam missed it <laughs> for, a, for a wedding so, so, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. for a while with seattle sam so josh and i went and, and a lot of the people who've actually uh, come on the pod got a chance to go too uh, yeah well i would i'm yeah i would i want to hear what that was like but just like no nah, this was just from television mm-hmm. watching on television that um, like, cause you know, here it was, and like, I hadn't even really seen them move very much. The players, I think there had been like, did they, did they? There was that Sacramento preseason game mm-hmm. that they that they they had online or something. I think mm-hmm. I might have right. watched that. And there was a closed door UCLA game against um, Vancouver. Yeah. Did yeah. you get to go to that? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool. The supporters yeah. got to go to exactly. Like, so there was cool. so in so in total jealous. there was the four there was. Four we, they didn't even games. have jerseys back then. They were yeah. playing their training kids. Yeah, great training kids. So yeah. as well. That's so great. <laughs> before, the jer- before the jersey was released. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then just, you know, and then here's the first game coming. They didn't really be having a full team. It just seemed like yeah. there was just so many holes in this lineup. It's just such a janky lineup when you look at it now. And right. it's just like, you're going like, well, do your best. Ooh. You know, like, no idea what was going to happen. And then they get that beautiful goal oh, and then just beautiful. hold on. Yeah. And I was just like running around my house, going, like, "I can't believe this is happening! I was, are we really going to win our first game?" And it, and it started like, that on television. They had like some basketball games, where like the game started like on television, like ten minutes late. Like, <laughs> anyways, but I mean, that, what was that, what was that? What was that like to be there in person for that, not knowing anything what was going to happen? I think the two moments I always remember from that that trip are um, the first one is the night before. Everyone's in Seattle. The energy is pent up. All this frustration and optimism at the same time. And then we all meet at this one bar in Seattle together. And um, we were expecting to just go in and out, just say hello and do our own thing. And then you get in there and like this this heaviness in there. Everyone's been drinking way too much. Everyone's <laughs> way too happy. Your sales guys that have all been approaching us with season ticket packages are all just unloading. So, so yeah. no, so that so I thought one of the most magical things. And in one of the rooms, you had the. The Clasico, the Liga MX Clasico. So right. you had Chivas yeah. and America playing, right? So a ton of people are watching that. Right. But a lot of the other people, including so many LAFC staffers, who oh, like man, yeah. who all had to pay their own way. Like it wasn't as if they all just gave them free plane tickets to go up. They all had to pay their own way. But it was like everyone involved in the club and all these facets who had the same glow in their eyes that the supporters had, and we were all just like coming up to this yeah. thing. We were like we were like Bob at his house, you know, like watching the game. We we're all like yeah. that. <laughs> And you know, I was there writing a story about the about it, but I was as hyped as everyone else, and we were all just like look at each other, like oh my god, oh my god, everybody's yeah, yeah, buying yeah. each other drinks, oh, and man. like, and this is all you know in advance, and it was. I remember like seeing hats and jerseys like around the city that day, and just like slowly this build, this build, this builds that that first evening, and then the day of Josh. I mean, I, I remember the, the, Diego, the Diego Rossi goal, man. It was, yeah. It's a thing of beauty. Beautiful goal. The Vela through the, pass, yeah. and then like, for Diego yeah. to curl it, curl yeah. it around like that. What a great goal to um, just keep exactly. saying all the time. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. It, it looks great all, all the time. The, I think like the beautiful thing for us, I mean, Whoa. there's like sev- there's several things that are yeah. very beautiful about this that. Is a good, this is a good one. Yeah, yeah. One was the fact that in typical Seattle fashion, like it was very stormy and like cloud cover until like kind of right around kickoff those first few minutes like the sun kind of came out sort of shining on that side of the stadium our side of the stadium had this perfect when the ball was whipping around the corner to go into that 
to, into that goal, we are sitting in the perfect position to be able to see the ball, like oh, do yeah, that curve, that. like oh, where yeah. where the supporter section yeah. was, yeah. is perfect for that. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the, the people in the press box, like the view that they would have got if I had been covering the game regularly yeah, instead right. of writing a supporter story, I would have only seen just like the ball get kicked off of Diego's foot and then wind up in the back of the net. You don't get to see that like yeah, curvature. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the way that, because what you saw also is you saw Vela's vision yes. with the pass oh, from that man. same angle. And so I do think that the supporters who were there, the people who were in that section were spoiled with like the best view yeah, of yeah. the first goal yeah. ever. That like you know it can only be that way, right? Sam, yeah, I hate to put the sauce on here for you. <laughs> oh, honestly, I've just been like wanting to just slip my wrist in this <laughs> fucking corner the whole time. No, because I, I I was on a flight back yeah. when the match was happening. Luckily, it was JetBlue, so they had oh, the regular yeah. TV. Yeah, and it was shortly after um, I w- I saw the goal happening at the airport. Then we took off. Then I watched the end of the game on the plane. And if it was later into the flight and these the people next to me were sleeping, I probably would have been crying. But <laughs> I got the fuzzy nose and then I stopped myself. I was yeah. like, those fools are still awake. <laughs> and, dude, to be honest, that first game, um, with all the traveling that we've been doing, and I haven't been to Atlanta yet, but Seattle's supporters showed me something that day about what MLS can look like and just the choreography. Tifa went up. The, the, I mean, the Viking club is kind of old now, but also yeah. it was really powerful to see, like, 30,000 people doing that at one time and so I'm like oh my god like they're setting this is an arena right they're setting the, they're setting the stage for us and for us to take uh, three points from that and a win from that yeah. it's like it's beautiful man. yeah unlike I'll, I'll, I'll push back only on I was a little bit disappointed by the Seattle for real? stadium and supporter experience because as someone who was marginal marginal of the league like more following the European game you would hear stories about Seattle, right? You hear, yeah. oh, Seattle's got this thing going, and it's this incredible thing. And I mean, I've got homies who live in Seattle and who love the Sounders, and they've got a great history going, and they did help elevate the game. But the reality is, they play in a football stadium, and that football stadium is like a breezeway, and they yeah. don't fill it all the way up. And it sort of felt to me a little bit like hollow, like way up there. Mm. And you had to remember how far we had to walk oh, up for sure. to get up to the seats. And like, yeah, it's what he was just mentioning about White Hart Lane and going to this experience center and seeing this intimate, close football thing. It was sort of like going to an arena show where you know how behind the artist there's all those empty seats. Yeah. And it's mm. just sort of like there's always just something yeah. that is unfortunate about that. Like there's something like sad versus like when sometimes they play in the middle of the stage and they can sure. sell out the full arena. It's a little bit like that, and but I got you on that. But also at the same time, for this year, seeing, and I couldn't hear oh, the supporters. Oh, as for much, real? As much as I heard them more than I heard Portland this year, for sure. I think for, that's shots fired on Portland. No, no, like that's, I think <laughs> that's, that's easy to say for me, and for I mean New York, this baseball. I mean, this different, different, different mm-hmm. kind of aesthetic. But um, yeah, I thought Seattle since I've been a fan of MLS, which is three, four years now, it's just been. That's been the class. Other than, but the we can agree. Yeah. We can agree that what would be really awesome in Seattle is if they got their own stadium in grass field. But they they love the Seahawks. You know, they want to be in that stadium. That's, I that's, think a lot. A lot of the, the, the supporters of the team that I and my understanding of the Sounders, uh-huh. they actually were told that they were going to have a grass field, and then they like they sort of did like it when the city voted on building that arena uh-huh. and stuff. That they told it was it was gonna be grass, and there's a lot of confusion on the soccer supporters' part because soccer has like a storied history in Seattle, and they thought that they were gonna get a little bit more of like a soccer experience, and it became a full NFL experience. Uh, and and for like financial reasons, I'm sure. Are there but, no plans to make a soccer stadium there? I don't think at the moment, just because you know they have an arrangement that that's somewhat working, but that's very much the Seahawks stadium, and yeah, Saturdays yeah. just play there. So. Um, but to take nothing away from our experience, sure. 
and, and our experience of the first game. Um, it was just I had never gone yet to a Seattle game, and I heard everything for show-offs. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, one last thing. When, when dudes was talking about just how long it took us to walk up the ramps and stuff, like, we had to walk down the same ramps, but we won, and... Mm-hmm. We only had about four songs at the time, and we were just going on loop. Los Angeles, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But man, it was it was no, the freshest newest song on I've I've ever heard in my life at that time. No, that was it was, it was a beautiful thing, and it was yeah. it was it would that that march down and the march up were both like riveting in their own way. Right, right. But just it was like it was sort of like surreally, like displaced from the action on the field in a way too oh, gotcha. because of just how the size of the stadium itself and how not how it wasn't all the way full so I've never been I've never been in any other MLS stadium other than the two in LA well that's the next step for you well, you, you gotta, gotta travel away days are the best days I, I so want yeah. to I mean that's yeah that's like I just I've been following you when you guys do that and it's just like oh man I mean there's always ones when the schedule comes out you'll know we're going to in a heavier in a bigger group will be Portland, Seattle, San Jose. San Jose. Those are the three main ones and then I think next year if you try to travel a little further, I think we're probably going to do Atlanta. Yeah. Um, wow. So that one should be a, a fun one ho- hopefully. Miami inaugural season, right? That's yeah, next year. Miami's yeah. inaugural season, but they won't have their own stadium. Uh, stadium true. yet. True, so true. Maybe one away. There'll be more away days to come for sure. Oh, Bob, I can't wait to go on away days. Let's go. All right, I think we're going to take a a quick break. We'll be back with Bob here in a moment and keep it rocking. Here. We're back here with FCFC Pod here with. KCRW's Bob Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I didn't know that was a, a laugh line. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just, it's just Josh it's does just, it with such a sexy voice. It was, we it come was, back from I, was, I was trying to impress you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think um, I really found out a lot about from even just the, the piece you did on LAFC and the supporter culture here. And I think the one thing that stuck out to me always was uh, you said there was a there was there's a joy there, which is which is a word that I I don't hear often from people outside looking in, um, because you know most people see the we were talking before when Dweez and I were talking about the machismo and like the really hyper aggressiveness or even just the, the 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 volume of it all, but the joy of it is really how I would identify what we bring to the north and what we bring to LA is really like the shoulder to shoulder thing as much as the hashtag and it's 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 kind of out there now is. It's something really beautiful that this is possible, right? In in LA and maybe only in LA, right? Yeah. So, I uh, just tell us about how how you can, you're obviously a huge LAFC nut from the beginning, <laughs> but also like what what made you want to what, what what was the angle of the piece when you when you went into it? Uh so I yeah, I've been a fan just as, you know, that was my my hobby is what I did, you know, after work. And I didn't really ever did anything about it. I think in the back of my mind I was thinking like there's a lot of good sound because I'm, you know, I'm I'm a sound storyteller. I'm always mm. looking for things like with this the, for my normal program, which is called unfictional. Oftentimes, the stories will have like a strong sound element, and the sounds of LAFC games are incredible. Right. So I guess it's always been in the back of my mind. And so when we we uh, had a new daily program, you know, just sort of uh, highlighting events and different things happening around town, I went to the producers, said that we cannot have a greater LA show without a piece about LAFC, and I 
kind of gave my head. I had like a whole, I'm like, I was so ready. Like literally there's nothing other than my children. There's nothing I would rather talk about than LAFC. <laughs> I could just go on forever. And I'm not a super social person. I don't like small talk. I don't, you know, but I, you know, my was, in fact, that game, when I came down to meet you guys originally, yeah, yeah. I was heading down on my own. I didn't know anybody. And my, my wife is going like, this is, you don't know anybody? And I go like, Everybody can talk about LAFC. If somebody knows about LAFC, I can talk to them for hours. You know? <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be fine. The, you know, taking our host, Steve, the host of, of Greater LA, Steve Chiatakis, to a game he had never been to a game. So we actually recorded everything we recorded, uh, being on the expo line, mm. and some woman saw me and my gear and she's going like oh I want to go and she's like texting her friend and I, we had this whole little scene that I, you know, we didn't use you know walking up and you know it was it was meant to be an experiential piece about what it sounds like we had really great sound recorded we had a guy that was uh, recording in the north end uh, with some stereo mics and um, you know Steve and I were, were in the north end for a good part of the game and we talked to we talked to some supporters before the game and that got mixed into the piece yeah and and then you know finally I talked to Rich Roscoe you know at length about some issues mm -hmm. on it. Well, you were talking about the joy of it, and the reason why the thing that has come. You know, I came to LAFC. You know, like, hey, I'd like to you know have good seats to a, a soccer team. I want to know about this team. I'm kind of starting to love this team. This team is on. You know, I just got so pulled in, and now you know to go to a game now. I feel very invested. I'm, I'm I kind of feel things very heavy anyway. I'm the kind of I've I've spent most of my career sitting by myself in soundproof rooms <laughs> you know so i'm very very sensitive to like stimuli you know so it's i'm i take things very heavily so like when i commit to something i commit very heavily so when i go to a game and there's just the anticipation and the north end is going and you know the team you know how what's this what's this game going to be like you know how's this going to go and when we score it's more than just like yay we scored a goal it's like I'm gonna have a great week. Yes. And I can just go, uh, yes, yes. I should yeah, scream yeah. and I can like I can you know, it's like I can think about this game the rest of this week when I'm having like when I'm annoyed about something, I go, Yeah, but that game was so great and it's like I know that's gonna happen now, like when when we've scored and that's part of it. And then the games every now and then when I try to see a game, like normally I'm I'm in, uh, I'm in sort of a, I'm in the, two, I'm in section 212, mm -hmm. and I have a great view. We have a great, like we call it the FIFA view, perfectly <laughs> yeah. unobstructed, gorgeous view. But I like to sit in the north end every now and then, and that's a completely different experience mm -hmm. because then it's all about the joy and it's about the, you know, the experience of everyone together. My son and I, my son says he wants to go. He likes to sit in the north end when it's games that are going to be the toughest, mm -hmm. that we actually have a chance of losing. Because mm -hmm. if we're going to fall behind, it's better to be there where everybody's still, you know. Yeah, you right. Know. He gets it. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. You know. Was that was it perplexing for you? Just for example, for the first time when you saw, you know, a classic custom of the north end is when when LAFC gets scored on, the north end actually gets louder. Was that sort of like a wild thing for you to see as a as a sports fan who used to maybe seeing your team get homered against and everyone just yeah. shutting up for the next twenty minutes and being depressed? I loved, it. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really powerful when that happens. And the the other thing with this team that I've never had, with you know, I've always every team I've ever rooted for, I've always had kind of a uh, you know so a little bit self defeating. Like with Tottenham, they're amazing now, but they went through things where it's like. They're gonna, you know, it's their, it's their, it's their uh, um, reputation of mm -hmm. like blowing it, and so 
it kind of like, yeah, it looks good, but it, it may go to hell any minute. Mm-hmm. But the LAFC is the complete opposite. Like when we fall behind, pretty darn, it's like annoying, but you're pretty sure we're going to come back. Yeah. You yeah. know? And I, that's, I've never had that feeling. We're going to come back. Right, you know? Right. Portland. Anyway, the U.S. Open Cup was a little different. That Portland case, we were bad from kind of from that was just bad. Yeah, it <laughs> the less said about the, that game, the better. Yeah, but there <laughs> but, was an air of like there, invincibility is wrong, but just the the idea that nothing can knock this team down long yeah. enough for us to lose. Yeah, really, yeah. not gonna panic. We're yeah, just yeah. gonna. Their lack of panic kind of freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> you know, the thing that kind of drives me a little bit crazy is these really kind of soft passes from the center backs you know and I, I always and I think one time we've been caught by it or more than once but it's, it's like a little put a little bit more on it man like <laughs> you know like you feel like one, like one of these one of these uh, forwards is going to be waiting for one of those and right, pounce right, on right. it yeah, so I'm I'm curious to know as you're making this piece and you're, you're going in the north end you got oh you know, sorry, off topic no 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 it's fine it's, sorry, fine. Okay, sorry, it's yeah. fine I'm curious to know as you're making that what does Steve think of this? What is the other guy? Requ- I mean, is this something that they had sort of prepared themselves for? Had you told them enough about it so they were ready? Or and what were their reactions like kind of off off recording and off the story that we don't we didn't hear? No, they, I mean, they love it. I mean, Steve is a very he's a very, you know, uh, effusive, uh, positive guy. No, he, he loved it. He did not like getting hit by the beer, though. Uh, yeah, we got it was it was the, the choir taste. This was that we recorded the majority of it. We recorded at the Dallas game, which I think was two nothing. Uh, uh-huh. And um, uh, uh, and so they had the first the first we didn't get hit by that much beer. My son and I got hit by way more beer yeah. the other yeah. day. There's some days where it's like. Every anytime someone's throwing beer, somehow it's getting to me. Oh, yeah. the, everybody has those days in the North End. How much are they throwing Micheladas? That's horrific. Oh, that's yeah, the worst. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's it's got to be stopped. It slowed that's down crazy. a little bit, oh, but that's towards the, the beginning of the season, the Michelada showers are pretty bad. That's a Sting. that's a line yeah, yeah. that shouldn't be crossed. No, yeah, I agree. <laughs> never, never I think we can all agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I think IPAs can go on that list too. The IPAs are real sticky, real. Oh yeah. really? Everybody yeah. just smells like armpit yeah. by the end of the game. Stick yeah. the Modelos and Bohemias, guys. Yeah, Come it's on, a let's keep it. Keep it light. Let's keep it beer shower classy. Yeah. Okay. Spill. You know. Drink half of it and throw half of it. That's yeah. fine. Let's not dump the beers. Let's not dump the I mean, that's what we do. <laughs> this is a word of advice from the Tigers. Our guys just stock up on beers and drink them all to, like, the last three sips, and we just save those for the beer shower. <laughs> or better yet, it's quite yeah, a get, a, get a water bottle for cheap, have half of it, and do the water. You know? That's not great. Everybody can get a little bit of a water shower. I, I, I'm not going to go with that because supporters might get mad at me. I think that's why we got so wet was I think we were because we were sitting close to the Tigers. <laughs> we kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. came in a little bit late so we couldn't get a super good spot So, but we tried to cram it as close as yeah, we could yeah. with the scars. But... Um, I've just been so absorbed in the team, not only going, you know, watching the games, going to the games, reading about the team, but I'm also on Twitter constantly, you know, and I yeah. follow all the supporter groups, and I just sort of, I know the way everybody talks about the team, and I like what's important to people, and what, like, I think, I have a line in the piece I say that says, like, all the, the supporter groups, they represent um, different parts of the city, but when they come to the game, they all become one group, the yeah. thirty-two, fifty-two, and I yeah. swear I think that's from this podcast. Even I think that it's something that Joseph said or something. One of the main, might be, yeah, yeah might it could be. And he might, about what yeah. is it, Joseph or Jimmy? Yeah. Jimmy, yeah, yeah. Might have, or it was, the, or it could have been maybe. No, you know what? It might have been what Jimmy. Jimmy said it on Walker Zimmerman's podcast. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm. Used that line exactly, mm. you know, yeah. and and got some really talked to some really great people, some supporters out front. 
because I, I, yeah, I mean, I think you know, I, I think I've just been around. I just sort of understand it. I, right. think, I you mean, know, and a lot of the time we call the Bank of California our church or chapel. Yeah, yeah. And if if you've grown up in church, like Josh and I, as Koreans, if you know anything about Koreans, yeah. they all grow up in church. Um, but there's something we call Christianese. There's uh-huh. just certain verbiage that that you use within the church and yeah. whatnot. And like you said, because you've been so consumed in it, you you were able to speak our language, and that's yeah. probably why so like people were so receptive to it. Yeah, there was a quotable. I, I know you remember exactly what it is, Dewey's, where it like almost brought brought us both to tears. No, it was yeah. unexpected. And, yeah. and I mean, if I if I'm being totally honest, I was here at the house. It was the afternoon when I usually will catch up on a podcast, doing the dishes you know enjoying always the the content and the the stuff that comes out about LAFC but if you're if you're as involved in the team as we are I think we're all hypersensitive to the way that it gets covered and the way that stories get told about it mm-hmm. and the Christianese the LFCEs that mm-hmm. you know people are using like oh, okay and what I really liked about it is it I felt like the piece could have told anyone in the city about the team who knew nothing about it right it has a low barrier of entry you didn't have to know about MLS you didn't have to know about what specifically the team was doing to sort of enjoy it and I, th- I think that was like one of the beauties but what t- took me off guard was sort of that end build-up where suddenly at the end was like yeah they're 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 cheering about the team they're cheering I, I forget the exact the exact verbiage cheering about the team cheering about the results or you know cheering for the sake of cheering and having fun but they're also cheering that they can even do this in a city where like this is possible like, yeah. where, I think it's like kind of right there at the end and I was like almost like dropped the plate like I was just like really lost it and Tim and Sam and I we were talking about it was yeah. like right after it's like you were saying like sometimes LAFC still gets me like that right and yeah. we're like a year and a half in and sometimes I think I can speak for at least for us three it's like we all get like a little bit almost black and golded out like we're just like okay we've yeah. we've spent the last three hours on our phone after the game <laughs> yeah. absorbing every yeah. single interview yeah. absorbing every single thing it's like yeah. you know but the fact that you can still be moved in that way by the yeah. right piece of thing still tells me that a from a storytelling standpoint and like something we love to do on this podcast sort of show this show this story in different angles um but also there's there's still pockets of that feeling that haven't been fully expressed the right way things that we all still can't put our hand on yeah or finger on that we're kind of like all sort of grappling to try to explain and maybe that's one of the reasons we love talking to each other to hear oh wait like you're sort of swapping notes with somebody like wait what was it how did you explain that yeah that's like that's how i felt too i I didn't even realize it and we keep going back every week and we keep meeting new people and we we don't always know all the answers for why we do it and so it was i thought that that was like a really pivotal thing And, and for this city you know, and I, and I think we've talked about these type of things before. Los Angeles, and for those who've never lived here for prolonged periods of time or who only have yeah. one or two experiences of it, it is so defined by the outside world or so defined in, like, these certain ways. And it's this, this city up on the hill. It's the Hollywood sign. It's, it's this and it's that. But there's, like, this whole other, many other L.A.s. And, there's, and yeah. this one that we get to enjoy... I think part of the enjoyment of it is just the sheer en- enjoyment that this exact type of place can exist because right. it does feel in some ways like this is the only place that it can exist in this way yeah. and, and have just that thing. And even within MLS, like we've gone to these other stadiums, yeah. a buddy of mine from Seattle, shout out to Kyle Sego, he makes like documentaries on the Sounders and stuff mm-hmm. um, and, and some of the things that they're doing at their academy. He came and he was like, he was struck mm. by like the different kinds of faces that you see yeah. here and the different mm. kinds of people it, it was like moving to him uh, even as a supporter of another team. So one of my favorite things is bringing, bringing people who've never yeah. who've never experienced it. So yes. I'm sure that part of it was probably cool yeah. to bring people you work with to sort of see it. Yeah. 
that was also part the part that I was not expecting uh, when I got when I originally became a season ticket holder. I just wanted to see the game, mm-hmm. the yeah. sport, and I, that it was it was that kind of community part that I was that I wasn't uh, expecting. And I think you know, and and and, I, and while I knew how you know that obviously you know Latino culture specifically, you know had. You know, sock football is really important, yeah. and, and I kind of knew that maybe in the abstract. But then, like, just actually seeing it, that this is like a real team team. Like, people are really getting behind this on a deeper level than you know this team that you get because you're on an AYSO. You know, you go, you get, you know, you go after the AYSO game or whatever. Or yeah. that was very compelling, and had and kind of grew through the season as the season went on. Uh, and you know, and as I've come to know the team more and gone to gone to events, like I was saying in the piece, the idea of doing a jump and oh, they're doing jump, and you just put your arms around whoever's next to you. Yeah. yeah. And like I, I, I usually it's somebody I don't know yeah. at least one. You know, it's like I got my son on one side and then some other dude on the other, and I wouldn't do that anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and but it's so great. It's so great. Yeah. And like. At the game the other day, there was this dude. I don't even. You probably know who he is. I, he was, but he was like up on the railings, right over us yeah. like this, and he was like kind of intimidating. My son was like, <laughs> but but he was really cool. Like he yeah, was like yeah. we were like fist bumping and <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It's just so everything about it. I just I love it. It's, I look forward to it. I I uh, kind of st- structure my week around it. And then of course when it goes badly. Yeah. It's it's just like that. The Colorado loss yeah, was like sure. holy crap, man! Like that <laughs> messes you up. Right, right, right. It's like oh my god, the whole house of cards is going to hell. It's just it's everything's <laughs> all collapsing. It's it's all been an illusion. Yeah. It's <laughs> wild. Well, I did want to make my one my one church reference because these two are always making church references. Oh. Um, as a kid, like my parents sometimes would bring us to like Catholic church, right? Mm-hmm. And and I, there were things about that that I found like really incredibly boring. And I'd pass the time by like trying to read the little things in front of me and just doodling my thumbs and, you know, messing around with my brother or whatever. But the one part that I always loved was like after you do like this, the Our Father thing, and you like hold some stranger's hand and their hands kind of clammy and your hands kind of clammy and it's yeah. sort of weird. Afterwards, I always would notice that everyone was like smiling more and then there was something about like the whole like mm-hmm. the jump for life football club thing to me without all of these like overblown exaggerations about church things it feels like that sort of experience to me yeah, like man. i always remember that same thing like because you just like you just connected with somebody who like in a city like this where people run around with cars and all these different things you know doesn't really happen so that was that was my last spiel about about that and my only church story you'll ever get because i don't have a lot of them the church references in there uh come from the fact that in rich orozco's office i don't know for whatever reason i don't know if he had done some presentation somewhere or something but he had like this uh, uh like a visual aid like board on like leaned up against his wall of his office that was like the 10 tenets of religion or something and they were like you know, a common enemy, and a da da da. And they were like all yeah, of these yeah. things, and and you know, the, the point being that they all had analogies to what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think he thinks of it that way. Like yeah. he, he uses sort of the techniques so of religion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's probably reading some. The hype train, the hype train makes side. a stop yeah. at the at the steeple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So real. But in terms of like all the stories you had done in your career and different things, like was it was it interesting and fun to do a story about something that you 
love this much. I have a feeling a lot yeah. of the stories you do are probably associated things with you're curious about. Maybe you don't know a lot about yet. And you, yeah. show, you go in and and a even bit more blind. so. I'm I'm usually more I'm like kind of the host of the show narrator I'm usually telling other people's stories sure. I don't feel comfortable talk, telling stories about myself in general uh, in, at least in, in, in the way because the stories on my show generally are kind of they can be really personal in, like emotional uh, sad like very revealing um, I can never get over sort of feeling like too much of an exhibitionist to be doing it myself those kind of personal stories mm-hmm. But this was a situation where, you know, this is like something I love very much yeah. and I'm, I can talk about it knowledgeably and it's fun. So it's not, you know, I'm not, so that, I think that's, it's I think that heavy. was different. So yeah. it was less heavy. So that's different from what I would normally do. And normally these days I'm usually just working on my show and this is something I said, hey, I'll do this piece for you. I'm right. not, you know, I, because it's something that I, I like so much. I think after we all connected a couple of weeks back, um, uh, I know I dived into unfictional a little bit and mm-hmm. got to like check out some of the episodes. Speaking of heavy. <laughs> yeah, and, and you guys did too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, can you talk a little bit about like that show and how that came to be? Mm-hmm. Just because I, we, I was struck by kind of like the range of content and the yeah. range of ideas, but it was also, you know, each episode is sort of, Dramatic, right? it's yeah. a little universe that was pretty deep and interesting. So I have I've been in I've been in public radio for decades, most of it at KCRW, and uh, and most of it as a recording engineer, mm-hmm. sound engineer, sound mixer, um, and then I was the production director, so I was like the head recording engineer for like the most of the '90s and 2000s, and I mixed bands, I did radio dramas, usually from the technical end, but I also became really really interested in uh, documentary shows like This American Life. I don't know if you ever heard mm-hmm. that show. Mm-hmm. And then Radio Lab later, which was sort of like kind of the early versions of shows that that were did this sort of audio storytelling on the radio in those days, um, in this unusual way. There had been kind of documentary on the radio before, but it had been more sort of conventional uh, audio versions of something that you'd see like on public radio, public television, you know. Um, and uh, so I once uh, I started being. I did that for a while. I, I kind of uh, uh, would do some documentary stuff. So my program on fictional started in 2010, and the idea was um, to be a, and against mainly radio, this was going to be radio still, uh, an outlet for independent audio producers, of which there was like a small sort of community of people that make unusual audio documentary, uh, primarily heard on public radio at the time. The core of that, the, those kind of storytellers became sort of early podcasters. So like it, it's to this day, there's still a lot of podcasting, podcast programs that are are based, that were originally public radio shows, they're produced by public radio people, they're kind of like in the vein of public radio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, like a lot of the Radiotopia things, 99% Invisible, um, and and you know, and this American Life Radio Lab, a lot of those came from this discipline of public radio audio documentary, which is kind of what I'm. That's what I've come from too. And so, it became as a radio program, and now for the last couple of years, I've been doing it primarily as a podcast. Mm. So, has it been fun to see like this explosion of podcasts? Like knowing that you came from like this radio world. I don't know what the radio world was like mm-hmm. in like I guess the '90s and, and other decades, but like. 
obviously I feel like now probably people are listening to more of these mm-hmm. kinds of shows yeah. than ever, right? Oh, is it, yeah. So has that part of it been exciting or has it also been kind of like deflating in that it's like flattened things and No, it's kind of no, it's been amazing. Uh just I'm that there's such an um amount there's so many people that are looking for this kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of amazed at how big it just the market is. Like the the big moment for me is when when that sh- when Serial mm-hmm. came out, um, that was so popular. Yeah, it was like on the cover of like magazines and like and so that it it raised everything. People were listening to Serial and then looking for other things to listen mm. to. So that was a big jump for me. There's a kind of a legendary radio storyteller writer named Joe Frank. He was primarily did work in the 80s and 90s and he just died uh, in the last couple of years. I worked with him in the 90s at KCRW and he produced a shows for my show on Fictional. They're kind of these very trippy like half real, half hallucination stories uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that and there, uh, and he has kind of a following, so a lot of people came to me via him. But now I, I, I almost feel like because I've been making these kind of little, I call them little Fabergé eggs. My my, my programs are these. Per- I spend so much time, and some of these things take months to make because they're so wow. highly produced. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we're not we don't go in knowing what the story is. We go in collecting tape and sort of like figure out what the story is. And uh, it takes and forever. Condensing all that into thirty minutes is yeah. Yeah, but it's also but and then we come up with these beautiful things. But there are these like like a handful of episodes, beautiful episodes. And I think I think now it's like people are doing podcasts like this. Mm-hmm. I think I'm I think I'm starting to think I got to start doing something that's a little bit more quantity. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like like more length and more numerous. More thing, yeah. More yeah. more episodes. Cool. Is there is there anything specifically you mentioned? I think sound before, and you you always have like this ear for sound. Uh-huh. Is there anything specifically about like audio stories? You know, I come from the mm. writing a yeah. writing background, primarily writing and editing text mm-hmm. on a page. People here in LA are filmmakers or photographers, mm-hmm. and so there's the visual component. But what do you think it is about like audio and sound storytelling? And then like, yeah. what do you think? Why do you think it resonates so much with people? Um, even these days with so much media saturation that like the thing that makes audio storytelling special is it's incredibly intimate and especially nowadays when people are listening on their phones and you're wearing head you're wearing headphones and the voices that you're listening to are going right into your head you know it's not like you're watching a screen or you're watching a little screen on your computer or whatever or you know reading words it's 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 almost like it's not too far off from your own dialogue you have in your own head you know and it kind of and I always used to say it, it's sort of like these stories that you hear kind of mixed with your own thoughts in your own head and it just it, it, you kind of lose track of what you're thinking and what you're hearing you know right, right. and you can get pulled in and that's why you know the classic you know NPR or audio story moment like where someone's listening in their cars they call it the driveway moment you know because they're listening to something and they have to hear the end so they're thinking they sit in their car in yeah. their driveway to hear the end and I think it is, it's got, it ha, it, an audio story has this kind of uh, power be, that like direct into your head. You're not being um, distracted by what the person looks like that you're talking to. Mm. You're just hearing their words and you don't know, you know, you're, and you're only judging them on their words. You're not judging them on other visual cues, you know, consciously or unconsciously. And so they call it, sometimes they, there have been people who called the radio an, an empathy machine. 
because you're, I think when you're just hearing someone's voice, you're willing to like accept people more yeah. than you might otherwise. Right, right. And that's why, you know, when I, so I'll do stories about all kinds of people, but you know, the idea being that like, even though this person on the other side of the world is having an issue or, or a worry that I will never have, I still understand. I can hear. I can. I, I can hear the pain yeah. in them. And I. I. You know. A lot of what they're saying is uni- the kind of thing is universal. And to me, it just seems very profound and personal. And like I said, I, I am kind of a, I'm a. I feel things very deeply. And to me, it's almost like I would. I want to just cut out some of my own senses, some of the senses, and just focus on hearing something with my my ears. You know. So how does it feel to be a point person to garner that much trust? Right where. We literally, what you said before, we're feeding it straight into our ears, right? Yeah. You the are, voice in the head. The yeah. voice in our head. You are the voice in the head <laughs> for a lot of people who are yeah. commuting and doing all these things. Like, what is that, what's that like for you on, on, on such a larger scale? Like, what, what does that feel? It, it's a lot of pressure. It's like, I like put a lot of pressure on myself because it's like, I want to make things like perfect. And I, and I think about what I'm going to say and I, and you know, I, you know, because like I let a bit, a little bit this last season of my program, I had this, I had a, several um, episodes about this idea of perception and how people can see the same thing different ways mm-hmm. and think that they're seeing the only way. They both see their think people see their think they're seeing reality and mm-hmm. and these are kind of some things that had come up in my own life recently where I'd sort of just you know through um, investigating myself. Uh, I in my own understanding of the world um, and I sort of, I was trying to sort of uh, uh, talk about some of the things that I had just learned about myself without saying here's yeah. some things I learned but I mm. do some stories about this and sort of explain this concept that maybe people hadn't thought about so yeah I think about it a lot mm. and um, and I am you know I record in my closet at my house wow okay and so and I and I have you know I have a really nice mic and but I can be really I could lights like this. I can have a drink. I can be in my socks or my pajamas, mm-hmm. and I can even like think, "Oh, I thought of something cool to say." Yeah, I'll just record right now, as mm-hmm. opposed to going into a the radio station or whatever. Right, so right, right. it's very, it's you know, it's my children, my program in LAFC, my three. <laughs> Those are my three most right important. Yeah. Slim, you listen to a lot of pods and a lot yeah. of. Would you like? Are you vibing off what he's saying in terms of like how? Yeah, I mean, I I used to have just manual labor jobs, and I I used to listen to um, a podcast called Hardcore History with mm-hmm. Dan Carlin. I never paid attention to history class growing yeah. up, but I'm sitting there listening to this guy on a six and a half episode, six and a half hour episode, talking about how Genghis Khan just fucked everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's the voices in your head. Like, that's really what it is. It's yeah, yeah and somehow. You know, like someone who loved music a lot before, like I don't, I barely listen to music now. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate the voices in my head. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do think that hearing from you guys and people who do it more is like maybe also the the overstimulation, the media saturation mm-hmm. we got in that the one thousand shows Netflix greenlit this year, however mm-hmm. many the pile is so big on all these other forms, like maybe it is 
Bob, like you were saying, it's like just narrowing it down to that one sense yeah. Yeah. actually heightens it. it it's yeah. actually that less is more. Yeah. For, no, well, for I'm disgusting. Us, like if like you know, <laughs> I don't have the driveway moment uh-huh. because whatever I don't finish on my episode, I go inside and I throw it up on YouTube because uh-huh. they usually have a yeah. YouTube version of uh-huh. it. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I get to watch them talk. Uh-huh. So, oh, so you do get a little bit yeah. of both. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, there's, yeah, there's certain podcasts where they just do ridiculous shit like in person so I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have to watch it like <laughs> yeah. there's one called Kill Tony where it's a podcast but it's done at the comedy store in Hollywood oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's just uh, like amateur comedians throw their hats in a bucket get one minute on stage and whether they're good or they're bad they get interviewed by uh, a panel of uh, comedians and either get praised or shat on you know yeah. what I mean? But little yeah. things like that. Yeah. Some things are, yeah, there's, there's video, there's video. Videos versions. for the podcast. There there's certain, no there's certain podcasts versions. that are better as video. Yeah, I hear that. But then also, I mean, what I also try to create is that from my years of doing sort of sound mixing and stuff, it's kind of a alternate reality. You know, it's not, you know, we're yeah. listening to clips, and but it's, you know, really edited. And I will, not on, so much on this piece, but on my shows on Unfictional, all the scoring and stuff, I do all that myself. Wow. And it's kind of, you know, it's scored, it's written to the piece, mm-hmm. and it's cut to the pieces and stuff. And like in the LAFC piece, you know, it's super, I use the sound, it's like layered, you know, like it's laid in to hit at certain times. Mm-hmm. Like you'll hear things crossfades that don't actually, like, you know, the North End doesn't actually do that. You mm-hmm. know, they don't go from this to that like yeah, that. Yeah. But, you know, you know, but for the, for the tent, for the, uh, purposes of the flow of the piece my my you know and I come from a radio background and nowadays or like YouTube videos are the worst they just they don't have they have no sense of editing they'll just keep going and going and right. going they'll, and and I come from radio where it's sort of like some I like imagine someone's hand on their car radio like the moment they're bored they're gonna switch <laughs> to a different radio station yeah. so I was just like Got to keep it interesting every second. Yeah, yeah. And it, and I think that's actually something I can loosen. I think I'm a little bit crazy yeah, about that. That's <laughs> the difference between the radio world and the podcast and world. It, I think I got. I have. It's gotten become to more that, yeah. personal. Yeah. With with the podcast world mm-hmm. and people enjoy seeing like the mishaps and the you know because they like podcasts make people feel like they're in on an inside joke that they're not really in on. Yeah. And and that's kind of the beauty of it is like. They feel like, like you said, it's the voice in the head. So they feel like mm-hmm. we feel like we know them personally. Yeah. Like we'll go up to someone, and I I listen to like more flagrant type podcasts where like you know like the asshole art yeah. and stuff. Where like I'll go to a comedy show and I'll throw up an asshole because that's what we yeah. do with you know, like that that <laughs> podcast yeah. world community. If yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's become more personal, and they want to see that people aren't perfect. Yeah, I I have to I I think I have to like go with that a little bit more. I, I think I think I'm a little bit I'm very controlling uh-huh. with mm-hmm. it now, and it's I think that's kind of what my thing is, but I I, I have to sort of let myself. Well, well here, we can learn from you, Bob, and yeah, you. Yeah, we're, 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 we're pretty we're pretty imperfect. That's clear. Where are we? Let's take one more break. We're gonna be okay. back with Bob with tea with Dweez here tea in a moment, time. and uh, we'll be right back. We are back. Tea time with Dweez. 
the last segment with Bob here tonight. It's Tea time! A, it's been a really fun uh, discussion covering a lot of different things, but the first time I met you, got to talk to you about your piece in person, but then we also sort of got into one topic, which I think is was really interesting. And I think all of us who have followed any sport seriously, much less just LAFC, sometimes get into these categories and bigger part of the human experience in general, but tribalism and this yeah. idea that like like the parts of yourself that sort of can emerge and you sort of you know you can get surprised yeah. by like can sort of take you off guard like wow I sort of how you brought up the Yankee story and you screaming yeah. at that yeah. <laughs> like something you would have never done yeah. probably else elsewhere yeah. in your life but you really did then so and what made me start thinking about was just sort of feeling this kind of as particularly last season grow in me this hatred of Carson <laughs> which <laughs> And like and like I said, I had some really fun, you know, times yeah. with my son there, like some real pleasant games, you know, and they were good. I mean, at the time when we went to see him, and I didn't even think about the galaxy when the thing started. I was just happy, like, hey, I'm on my own team. We're gonna have my, we're gonna have our own team, you yeah, know. Yeah. We're, we're, and then I don't know if there was like some tagging or whatever that went on, but I think the first uh, thing the first that I became that aware of mm-hmm. was the um, defacing of the mural, mm-hmm. yeah, the Vela yeah. mural. A few, and I was like. What the fuck? I mean, like, what? This is like, we're all having fun. Like, what's that about? Like, why the hell would somebody do that? That just seems so, like, lame. Mm -hmm. And I think now, I think, I I think all of this has softened a little bit. I think, because, I think in the beginning, I think we had the moral high ground a little bit. It seems like the galaxy fans were a little bit worse in the beginning. Uh I think everything's kind of like evened out, maybe. So I don't, I don't feel this as strongly, but. Especially last year, too, with the... Because, you know, getting back to maybe a a thread that we were talking about before was just, like, watching that first game, going, like, oh, my God, like, we actually have a team that we can do something. Then the Real Salt Lake, where we blew them out, like, like, oh, my God, we're really good. We're the best team in the world. We're the best team in the world. (laughs) Ever, no matter what. And then, like, it was at, like, Montreal or whatever, and it's like, boom, boom. It was Atlanta before... No, so the Galaxy game was the third game. Third, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we go into the Galaxy going, like, we're going to kick their ass. And then, like, going in, it was like, and what happened was, it was like a, it was like trauma. It was like, I can't believe that that happened. Yeah. You can even see in that ESPN documentary when you watch Tyler Miller talk about it. I think he literally was traumatized. Yeah. yeah. And his uh, eyes go all glassy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and no. he, start, he starts misting up. He gets a little <laughs> bit. Um, but and I was you know I was um, uh, I was down in San Diego where my my family's from and I got I go like you gotta watch my new team you gotta watch this game let's all watch the game and then that happened and it was just it was so horrifying and 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 then the other games similar and so I think that and it just seemed to be just the just the gnarliness of that Zlatan goal and then. Mark Anthony K breaking his leg, oh, you know, and it just all seemed so crazy harsh. Yeah. And there was, yeah, so I, I think last season, I just, I was wondering, like, I really hate this team. What is that about, <laughs> man? Like, where did this come from? Is that, like, is that a common thing? So we're going to take an inter- intermission here and do and show Bob how to do that. So, Bob, set yeah, your, oh, set your small it. cup back on, and what you do with this guy is a oh, Taiwanese tasting cup, and you sort of flop nice. it over like so. Hey. And then um, this top one is actually your smell cup, so you can get oh. the aroma of the tea. Jianghua Xiang, ginger flower fragrance, classic Phoenix oolong, 
Nice. You guys already know what it is. Tea Habitat, Alhambra. Go see her. I can't wait until I talk to Emen in my next tea tasting with her. And she's like, I don't know what happens, but all these like guys coming up here and they're wearing this football gear and they're and they're asking me like about about tea. my Phoenix oolong, bro. Well, she 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 has an incredible Phoenix oolong collection. Go check her out. She doesn't know. She knows nothing about this podcast. So <laughs> I really want her to get surprised by it. But, Sponsor the pod. But anyways, getting back to tribalism, of course. And like watching those things bubble up inside of you. How about you guys? Like, how much did that galaxy hate meter or that that galaxy, the pit of your stomach thing, like, get severe in different ways throughout throughout last year? Okay. Give us some. You'll go first, Josh. You're a tribalist New York Yankees type <laughs> motherfucker. Um, to be honest, I I, I still and I, I I think I have this thing where I, I don't pay too much attention to them. But the graffiti on not only the Bella mural but the mural right outside the Experience Center twice over this beautiful mural about you know just like the city of Los Angeles playing football together and that defaced with like a horrible Galaxy print like that really messed me up. When the when Galaxy fans uh, the sitting in the away section broke our seats, mm. I was like, what are we what are we talking about here? All of a sudden, you know, what are we doing? And and that that was really like that was really I think gross to me because like going there or them coming here like the ribbon is fine like I like yelling at people <coughs> I like that aspect of it. When you're actively trying to deface or destroy something that um you know that 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 we built together like that that becomes like you you came. You came into my house and, and you took a piss in it, and that's that's not acceptable in any regard, right? Yeah, I mean, my hate for them actually came comes more from that. And then after the, the first derby match, my hate more was for Zlatan than anything. Yeah. Because I came from a place where I'm a United fan, and I just <laughs> I just loved Zlatan. Yeah, yeah. And well, Bob, came, Bob, Bob yeah. is a Swedish guy. Here. Yeah, 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 okay, That's, there we yeah. go. I so, mean, that was the thing. Was, it was a little bit, that was the confusing. I didn't really actually go into much detail with my family. But, yeah, I mean, he's kind of a, he was a big deal. He a, was a Swedish star, but he's very un-Swedish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that arrogant thing is very un-Swedish. Like, <laughs> you would not, you don't have that in Sweden, yeah. you know, uh, in general. And so he he's much, very much of an outlier. However, my mother, who's... You know, in her 90s now, you know, she loved Zlatan. She still does. And the horrible, the horrible byproduct of that, that game when I went down there, I, I, uh, we went down there, I went down there to show them this thing, and I, and I said, you know, yeah, Zlatan's playing, but, you know, he may not even play. Yeah. And, uh, but my mom was like enchanted, of course, by Zlatan, and she has one of those, like, like a DVR box where you know and I meant to record the game and I but I auto recorded all Galaxy games by mistake oh. so then her, her DVR then continued and to this day continues to record Galaxy fans and she's basically a Galaxy fan she, she's now both actually she's, she claims that she's both because I'm constantly going like no I know yeah, yeah Zlatan's awesome yeah he's great but you know, this is a real team. This is a whole team, and we got a whole strategy. We're not just one dude. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, that was the unfortunate byproduct <laughs> of that whole thing. Not only was I traumatized by the game, but it turned my mother into a Galaxy fan. Yeah. <laughs> Elsewhere in your sporting life or other life, have had you? Do you remember, like Josh, for example? I know you love all your New York sports, but like, did you remember feeling like this sort of? In the pit of your stomach. Yeah, I mean, this feelings. is like to pull no punches. Like that's that's how I feel about towards the city of Boston. <laughs> really, like even just going there, you really, you really. Yeah, feel I mean, it's a beautiful city, but it's just like wow. the fan base that um, 
that the the Sox, the Celtics, the Bruins. No, have no, no, no worse. Or do you think your the Boston stuff's worse for you than the Galaxy? I mean, stuff? I to be and with all my love from New York sports, like LAFC somehow has superseded. I, I've yeah. never been an active supporter. That's I think, and even we talk about that all the time. But that's to really truly understand. It's like to go to a game or to like to actually watch away games with a group of people. That's never done that in my life, like yeah. consistently before. So even with my love and like. And my still like loyalty to, to to all my teams back there, like I think I would hate losing to. Uh, Have either of you ever had to look at yourself and be like, "What's wrong with me?" Like in terms of like you're you're over getting a little bit over the top for this or other sports or other even groups. No, I cut that out. I'm just like I cut that out fairly quickly now because I know the faces and the names of the people that are affected on my side about it and like who are really hurting from like. You know when people, I like we we've met like security and like the janitors at the bank who have to clean up that that crap when they leave yeah. that. So like I have our ties are so close now. It's like nah, you ain't doing that in my house. And yeah. for me to for me to have some existential like um, restraint about that, you yeah. know, like now I'm just like you mess with that, like you you someone didn't teach you right. You know that's kind yeah. of my thinking on that. Slim. Yeah. Uh, the NBA finals where Paul Pierce pretended like he needed to get carried off the fucking court. <laughs> Wait, did you hear what what actually happened? He shit himself. He he went on he went on Sports Center. He talked about that story recently. So he, he came back with the wheelchair because he uh, he shit himself. Yeah. Are you Paul kidding? Pierce. No, is this no, no. a joke? No, Paul. No, that's that's that that's real. He's from LA. Yeah, he's from he's from Compton, I think. I had I had a very. You know, it was a it was a nuanced experience with my in Boston because I went to college there, Emerson College in, yeah. in Boston for two and a half years, and I was a big baseball fan. There was no interleague play at that time, mm. so they didn't really Boston and the and Dodgers didn't really play. Sure, I love Fenway Park, love the Red Sox, but I was there during the '80s Lakers Boston rivalry, uh-huh. and and Magic. and I was a complete Lakers fan. Okay, and I, so I was literally. Yeah, and hiding in my apartment yes. in Boston, watching the Lakers game while hearing like screaming outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like I went to Fenway, and it really it's like so weirdly quaint yeah. and small, but yeah. everyone's like in it at the same time. Yeah. It's like they shut down all like the four streets around it, so everyone can kind of like hang out and walk around freely. So like that's different, and I I I kind of understood when I wasn't watching Yankee Red Sox games, like oh this is why they love it so much. Mm-hmm. But also when it came when it it brings out the worst behavior of both fan bases when they play one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's Red Sox up. are different now too. Now that they've won it a few times, yeah. and oh, they, don't want they, had, they hadn't won anything then, and it was just it was a bunch of kooky characters, you know, <laughs> oil can Boyd yeah. at that time, and it was a really unusual team, a fun team. But getting back to the back to finish on the tribalism thing, I think I've now come around. I think I, I caught myself last year, and it was like on some of these same issues, and also it just seemed like their fans. I don't like other than Zlatan. I mean, their t- their team itself is okay, the players, but it seemed like the team that the fans were so quick to like jump on. LAFC fans, you know, about like, yeah. like, like it was it was so nakedly jealousy mm-hmm. right, or right. you know resentment yeah. over that we were doing something that they hadn't done, yeah. and and the way that they and that what came out of that is just like stupid, you know, bathroom humor jokes and the stupid Chivas thing, which is so dumb. Yeah, like how is that a? It's not even yeah. So I mean, I just feel. It's it's kind of like if I if someone were the older brother and then the younger brother came yeah. along and they yeah. went to the sauna 
Yeah. And the younger brother just yeah. had a way bigger dick. <laughs> yeah. So the older brother just gonna be salty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. What big what? black dick. <laughs> <laughs> one football term I've been really, really kind of I'm trying to understand and like learn this time was just like we live in their heads rent free. And I think that's just something yeah. that I really enjoy because like I've been so preoccupied trying to build what we have here that I oftentimes I don't look down down, yeah. down south. But then they're they're constantly measuring in, in in something of a pissing contest about like, oh like you guys like you guys are uh, new money people like you guys never appreciate the game like we're we're too busy worrying about what we're yeah. doing here and building this to think about what 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 you have squabbles with. Yeah. But it's it seems to be. Uh, we gotta beat them to really shut them up. Some so. people say that about Southern California and Northern California rivalries, like regional rivalries. Like, what did Northern Californian people think about Southern California people? Like, all these a, a list a list of things that is wrong with them, right? But what do Southern California people think about Northern Cal people? They don't. Don't exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. nice. It's yeah. nice to go on vacay. It's like yeah, 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 a yeah. road trip. I mean, I, sometimes I feel like that's a little bit I, of the I mean, case. That's the case with a lot of LA teams, also. That a team, you know, other cities hate LA more than LA really hates anybody right? yeah. in, in general. I mean, you know, outside of the. But uh, I do think that this season it has dissipated my. Because I kind of have caught myself a little bit. We are doing so well. Mm-hmm. It's kind yeah. of like, like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. True. But, you know, when you come to the actual game, I think, and this is probably going to be forever for as long as these teams exist it's going to be like I think you kind of throw everything out and each one of these games is going to stand alone because yeah. both teams are going to be going at it so hard and that anything can happen and they can overplay things and just anything can happen I mean like certainly on paper this shouldn't be a problem right, right. but you never know outside of sport are there other like parts of you guys' life where you've ever felt so like one side and there's another side and we're like musical interests, have you you know what I mean, or like certain artists you really rode for, and you talked about the Meek Mill, uh, Drake thing, where you felt uh, like no, you, you couldn't just... like you couldn't even <laughs> like a Drake. What did you say you couldn't no, even I like just, a Drake? I just song? feel like a like you know like I said I used to love Zlatan, so right now like I'm I'm in the era where Meek Mill and Drake are beefing, and I have to pretend like. Drake doesn't have hits. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, but it's but it's never as severe as sports. Sports does something specific about. Yeah, I tri- mean the only in terms thing closer of is like gang culture. You know, there were certain times where back when we were growing up, like what city you were from, like could be a problem with people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, L.A. has always been, like you said, like a tribal city. Like. Yeah. There's so many communities that are in these pockets that never leave these pockets, and like that's that's just kind of how it is. Like you don't you don't cross over into this side of town because of this this and that. Mm-hmm. There's certain restaurants and bars in K Town that I used to not go to because they knew that I was friends with people that they didn't like. You know oh, what right. I mean? It's oh. it's it's that's all complicated. Do you, yeah. do you still feel like that's as strong as it was then, or is there way more intermingling oh, no. now? Oh no, K Town is so honky dory now, man. <laughs> no, no, no. But the, but the city, but the city of LA itself. Um, I think in the pockets that are still like that, it's still it's not everyone's still very much in their own little bubbles. Like, think of all the people that are meeting, you know, at the bank. Like, it's not going to happen without a reason. Yeah, but don't you think there are more reasons? There, now? there are more with, reasons. With like, You're right. With like the yeah. Staples Center being where it is, and yeah. with obviously like certain arenas coming back to life, or the like train little, itself. Like you said little musical communities. Yeah, you know what little, I mean. Little, little. There's more. It seems to me, and I don't, I don't really know. I don't always know how to like 
judge the present moment from the past, but like that there are more of those those movements across yeah. town than there used to be. Yeah. Mm. Bob, I don't know. You, what do you What do you mean the movements across town? Like people go to events, see, people seem to go oh. to more events in not their neighborhood now. Like my mom always brings it up, right? Like mm-hmm. she went to Santa Monica high or mm-hmm. St. Monica's in Santa Monica for high school. Mm-hmm. And she used to tell me she never came downtown. Yeah. There was no reason to come downtown. Mm-hmm. And so for her to come downtown now and so so frequently for different things, not just sporting right. events, is sort of like a trip for her. Well, there is a downtown now. There's mm-hmm. things to do. I mean, you basically it used to be that you would only go downtown for you know if you were on your way to the Dodger game or just or the Lakers game or um, theater mm-hmm. that was the only time you ever went downtown right. at mm-hmm. night really and now there's there's a million you know it's it's a whole city down there now mm-hmm. you know and uh, for when I grew you know for most of my half first half of my life that was what downtown LA was like it's completely different now um, but do you feel like okay apart from that like isolated example of downtown do you feel like people move around this city with more ease and go to different parts for different sorts of entertainment or eating than, than perhaps they did in the decades prior? Well, it could be. I mean, I'm probably. But the other thing that I started just thinking now, as you guys were talking, of course, with, when you're going to talk about tribalism now, it's like because one of the things about in L.A. now that's happening is because it's becoming such an expensive city mm-hmm. that there are neighborhoods um, that where people are kind of having to protect from them being gentrified mm-hmm. and I mean and that's almost like a self protection tribalism yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the East LA art gallery is opening up and you know there goes the kind of rent goes yeah kind of stuff like that yeah. and I mean it's like you know things that seem like oh that would be you know it might be cool to have this coffee shop it's like well that's kind of the beginning of like a change maybe you don't want and, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but that's I know that that is something that's been coming up a lot when in, uh, when you talk about this topic in terms of LA yeah mm-hmm. um, you know, I like to think that an LAFC game is part of the great thing. Is what we were talking about how everybody kind of kind of can come in with their tribe, but we all kind of become one tribe when we're there. Yeah. yeah. I hope that's. I hope that that's. That's the real, vision. and I hope it stays. And there's always things that happen. You right. know, there's been there's been bad moments, but right. I think there is an advantage of how, choosing Expo Park specifically as the site. Historically, that plot of land has always been used for these sort of recreational entertainment purposes to the extent that like the area can continue to gentrify, I guess, and the extent that there are probably developers and people rooting for that to happen, especially with the Olympics coming and the Lucas Museum and all that, that helps. But like, it's also, these neighborhoods have always surrounded USC and they've always been near the Coliseum and they've always managed to maintain like their ness, you know, and that, and as we're talking here, I'm I personally hope that there are no coffee shops coming to this yeah. neighborhood. And I personally hope that there are no art galleries coming to this neighborhood because I get to go say what up to Mel across the street, um, like our neighbor here, and I get to go like talk to these guys down the way, um, a couple blocks away. And people when they come trick or treating at my house, they notice the LAFC flag, um, and they'll be like, "Oh, you're the guy with the LAFC flag." And one of those kids who used to trick or treat here works at the fields. Wow. Oh, you know, and so that. That is, you know, I am always will be like an eternal optimist and I probably see things with rose colored glasses more often than I should. But especially with things that I like, like LAFC, you know, constantly make excuses for why I think it, you know, it could be doing that. But at least in the present moment, and I agree with what you said, Bob, like I hope it does maintain that. I do think that this neighborhood might be a little bit more resistant to some of the, the forces that could turn it because it's just been this way for so long here and it's always been in it's sort of like exists in this sort of strange place 
where it's not like it's exactly a forgotten area. It's it's always been here. It's always been next yeah. to next to SC, next to these uh, places of entertainment, agricultural park when it used to be called that. Like this was always this little tributary away from downtown where people came to like do the entertainments and things. But it'll be interesting to see what way it change. I do suspect that people's plans for Exposition Park in terms of the Lucas Museum and other stuff has probably a bigger chance to change it than LAFC. Mm-hmm. And, and LAFC being a sport that a lot of you know a lot of folks in this neighborhood are like they love soccer i see kids playing soccer street all the time if you've been listening to the podcast if you're hearing the ball bounce i can see over the fence the kids juggling a ball so it's not as if they're you know putting something down that's like wasn't asked for where the lucas museum yeah. and you talk about just resistance in terms of the neighbors fighting back and i think even with 30 to 52 and what we have all agreed to in terms of unifying in our bylaws is like Man, we just had a huge charity drive uh, collecting socks, underwear, yeah. hygiene product for the homeless, and um, we that that was became became a became a topic early on. Was like we all care so much about the city and we love the city so much. We need to start actively hitting hitting issues together as one, rather than just all have our splinter issue that we care about so we'll take turns doing it but the whole fan base supporter culture will come together come together to to help out a cause and i think that is i think that is a huge stand against you know the 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 forces outside that might try to break it up it's like we are willing to take turns in doing this because we know we're stronger when Mm -hmm. we come together and i think that's in the the optimist's eyes and I'm, i'm i'm right there with you it's just like this it's what we continue to do and that's what's going to keep us keep us grounded is that we care so much about the city and we care about this 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 sport and um together yeah together is how we're going to advance and i think ultimately it's it's probably healthier to avoid this sort of hatred of another team yeah like you say i think what you were talking about of just like pay attention to what we're doing is actually the healthier way to be and that's kind of what i'm trying uh, that i'm doing too i just thought it's 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 an interesting thing because it's in a way it was sort of like in, you can almost feel possessive about like we got this thing and like so like when someone's attacking it that you think is so great you can it's it's easy to get tribal it's right. easy to feel like somebody else attacking you know your 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 thing you know, yeah. your club maybe it's maybe it's the Arsenal fan in me but I'll always maintain that I, I think it was actually a really good thing that the galaxy ended up for the future of this rivalry and what it can be and the and the richness that I think can happen when there's two different teams and the sport can grow and the popularity can grow and things like them uh, wanting a supporter sex style section and wanting to elevate you you want to get better if the other rivals better and if the other rival if if the galaxy really did tank into oblivion um, if, if they had if they had beaten the galaxy 5-0 that first game and and slots on left halfway through the season because it was so terrible and all these things sort of spiraled out of control then I think that in a, in a way it would have taken some of the edge even the benefit, benef- beneficial edge off the rivalry than than not. So I'm not saying that I'm glad that they won. I would have preferred it, but it was beneficial. Yeah. To the rivalry. Yeah, Sounds been, like a good Arsenal way of thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It I'm a banger fan. Guys. It would have been interesting to see what it would have happened if we just won that first game. Yeah. Yeah. Both games. Both of the. I mean, the two of the. I barely remember that. I remember the Zlatan game, and I remember the game here. I don't even remember the other. The other. Yeah, the third one is kind of not talked about. Yeah, I don't remember it. It was a, it was a strange game, and yeah. it wasn't as riveting. Yeah. Bob, what are your top three favorite LAFC memories? Memories. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you said one of them yeah. was. I think number one is probably um, Dio's goal 
uh, at the beginning of this season. Yes. Because uh, I think maybe we weren't recording. I said I was telling this story about the Simon goal at the, the, the our first home game was dramatic and it was great, but I don't think I fully enjoyed it enough because my it was a Sunday and my son had to be in school and it was late and so it was like cool we won let me get let's go we got to get out of here mm-hmm. and I, I think it wasn't until later so it's like man I should have kind of st- hung out and enjoyed Bast that moment that. a little mm-hmm. bit you know and so I think by the time this the, the beginning of the season rolled around I was kind of more and into it and we you know we'd had so much trouble with Kansas City so that was just and it was such a badass goal like the oh, way he yeah. just like buried it Dio just buried it at the net it was so that was just an incredible that was an incredible one um I think number two might be um weirdly I mean these are kind of random because uh, there's so many but it just it that I used to say this was one of my favorite was we my son and I went to the U.S. Open Cup game against um I think it was Sacramento last year mm-hmm. and it was the one where we won it on the goal where Latif scored the goal where he kind of went rolling into the goal and ended up in the goal netting at the end because we also had really good seats and so we were really close up uh, and so that was I, I I I love that one too I will I'll remember that one just watching yeah, Latif roll into the goal, <laughs> the goal I mean they actually literally kind of had to like yeah, kick yeah. him out of the goal netting <laughs> and then um, this is usually where it gets hard I know. <laughs> well, I mean, I would say that, I would say that, I would say that Simon goal, but kind of everybody says that one. I'm almost like I maybe that first game, like watching it on TV, even though I was just watching it on TV because yeah. everything was such a mystery, and yeah. I had been like kind of obsessing about reading everything, and this was like the first time we actually got to see him go, and just oh, like man. he had no idea what was going to happen. Well, our tea here is nearly running dry. We've taken a lot of Bob's time. Thank you, Bob, for coming on. Thank you. This Thank tea you is for delicious. Out. This has been another episode of the FCFC Pod. Thanks for hanging out with us. Talk to you next week, motherfuckers. FCFC FC 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 FC